Hello, and welcome to World Campus from International Programs at the University of Iowa. I'm Joan Kerr. We have a very special program tonight, not only because we're producing the program in the stunning new UI Stanley Museum of Art, but because we'll be honoring Andy Code, the recipient of the 2022 International Impact Award, as well as Ryan Hubbard and Franklin Matanji, winners of this year's Global Student Awards. Here to make the award presentations is International Programs Associate Provost and Dean, Russell Fiannan. Many thanks, Joan. It's a real honor to be here tonight and to confer these awards on such deserving uh, members of our community. And so we will start with the International Impact Award, which goes to Andy Code. Andy Code is a successful businessman and a mentor to aspiring entrepreneurs. He is a longtime supporter of the University of Iowa and is the recipient of the 2022 International Impact Award for his global efforts as a social justice and human empowerment advocate. He was nominated by Dimi Dreska, and so the comments that I am going to read uh, are from Dimi's nomination materials. So testimonies of Andy's empowerment projects exist in Guatemala, Honduras, India, Haiti, Uganda, and Chicago. They confirm that his commitment goes far beyond the significant financial support he's provided and reflect his core belief that those who are blessed with much are called to positive action in the world. That commitment spurred Andy and his wife, Susie Code, who is also with us tonight, uh, who is a graduate of the UI College of Nursing. Um, so Andy and Susie established the Code Family Foundation in 1997. And this foundation has helped young boys and girls get quality education in their home countries and has sponsored many students who wish to study in the US. Andy and his philanthropic partners have built schools, dormitories, and kitchens in under-resourced areas where educational opportunities had previously been non-existent. Andy supports numerous organizations that are involved in health justice in marginalized communities around the world. The Code family's ongoing support has allowed local healthcare entities to strengthen capacity and deepen partner relationships so that they are better equipped to confront challenges when they arise. Major contributions to the UI College of Medicine and the College of Nursing support powerful impact healthcare programs in Niger and Eswatini. Andy holds a BA in finance and an MBA from the University of Iowa. He is founder, partner, and chairman of Promise, a private equity and investment firm. He has served as a board member and advisor to numerous public and private companies. He serves as a, on the National Board of Directors for Young Life and is currently the board chair for the University of Iowa Center for Advancement. And I can say uh, on a personal level that Andy has become a dear friend over the years. He and I have been interacting off and on really the past two years, thanks to Tom DePranger, who's here, thanks to, to Dimi and a whole network of folks in the UICA and NNIP. Um, Andy's work has touched so many lives. He's been incredibly generous. He's not a person who uh, calls any attention to himself. And so it is really a pleasure and an honor to bestow the International Impact Award for 2022 upon him. And so, uh, Andy, I will bring the award over to you. You know that it's heavy and awkward. We'll take a couple of pictures and then we'll put it back. 
nothing planned, but I, uh, I do appreciate those words, Russ. Um, we've been very, very lucky uh, growing up here in Iowa City, um, kind of a sheltered way, not ex really exposed to international activities at all. And really back when our kids were in high school, uh, we felt a real desire to get them uh, overseas and into areas of poverty, people that were disenfranchised. And we had a chance to travel to Honduras first and then uh, we took our kids and instead of giving them a, a car on their 16th birthday, they had a chance to stay in Hotel Quan with uh, plastic sheets and cockroaches. And, and they came home thrilled and uh, that became the first of many trips to, to Africa and Haiti and all over uh, India and uh, Thailand. And we went to different places and I'm so excited because the University of Iowa has deep reach all over the world. And as I've talked to people in the med school, in the nursing school, in the business school, there's great desire not only from students who live in these places, but from the faculty to go over to make these connections with people, these diverse connections. And uh, we've really tried to cross-pollinate those connections in business and nursing and, and medical. And uh, the relationships run deep. I've had a chance to travel with uh, Andre over to, to Haiti. I've been in Africa many times, hopefully going over with Vimy. We have uh, many students that we support over there together. We're building clinics and schools and stuff together. So the university has been extraordinarily receptive to our family's desire to invest this way in the university. And I think it's, uh, it's really been a great relationship for both. So I appreciate Jimmy a lot for his efforts internationally, the students he's working with and these, uh, these young entrepreneurs over in Africa with, through the Mandela uh, Foundation. The progress they're making is incredible and uh, we have the joy of uh, participating with them. So thank you for thinking of us. It's, uh, it was not something that I desired, but it is certainly something that we appreciate. So thanks. <coughs> Thank you very much, Andy. Your impact has been enormous and you continue to change lives and we're very grateful to you for that. Now we move on to our Global Student Awards and the first recipient is an undergraduate student named Ryan Hubbard. And Ryan, where, where are you? Oh, there you are, okay. Um, and so I'm going to read from the nomination material submitted by Ari Ariel and Ari, I. Uh, who is in the Division of World Languages, Literatures, and Cultures, the head of International Studies. Um, he nominated Ryan, and Ryan's got a very impressive profile, which I'm going to share with you now. So here I'm quoting Ari. Ryan is a top-notch student, leader, and global citizen who is committed to international learning and global community. She is an honor student majoring in International Studies and Economics and minoring in Arabic and history. Her current academic work on settler colonialism is theoretically sophisticated and demonstrates a high level of understanding on the level of international perspectives and global linkages. In addition to her scholarly pursuits, Ryan is deeply involved in the international community of the university and in Iowa City. Her work with the Iowa City Foreign Relations Council promoted international learning and student involvement in international affairs. Her time as a critical language scholar, a scholarship fellow in Jordan allowed her to further her profile as a citizen diplomat and engage in cross-cultural understanding experiences. She also acquired such a high level of Arabic that she is currently the peer tutor for Arabic in the Center for Language and Cultural Learning, otherwise known as the CLCL. 
Ryan is also a student ambassador for the Division of World Languages, Literatures, and Cultures, or DWILC. In that capacity, she shares her cross-cultural language learning and study abroad experiences with other students and helps them achieve their own goals and fosters a globally aware community here at the University of Iowa. Ryan is also a social media and marketing specialist for the CLCL. As the Director of International Studies, again, this is Ari speaking, I can say without hesitation that DWILK as a division and the programs of International Studies in Arabic have benefited immeasurably from Ryan's presence. We simply would not be the same places without her. So let's please applaud Ryan Hubbard. No, I also, oh, it's so loud. Um, I also was not prepared for this. Um, so I want to thank you to Dr. Ariel for the nomination. Um, <laughs> my friend Shannon is holding this right now. So thank you to my wonderful friends, um, both Shannon and Jenna, who are here, and then just also in general. Thank you to Claire, my wonderful boss um, at the CLCL. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is just the things that I, the things you listed that sound so impressive on paper are just the things that I enjoy doing and enjoy doing with with all of my teachers and friends and, and bosses. So, so thank you. <laughs> so thank you for that, Ryan, and continued good, good luck and continued success with all of your endeavors. So our second and final Global Student Award goes to a graduate student by the name of Franklin Natanji. Um, I've known Franklin for a long time. Uh, he's done terrific work on a number of different, different committees. Uh, he is a model international student, um, and by his very presence, he has brought other international students to the University of Iowa, some of whom are actually here tonight. Uh, so I can think of no better spokesperson that spokesperson and representative for the University of Iowa on a global scale than Franklin Matanji. So those are just my own words, but let me read uh, some of the, the comments from your nominators. Uh, the first comes from Shelley Campo, uh, Associate Dean in the Graduate College uh, and faculty member in Communication Studies and in Public Health. And do you have another appointment? No, it's just that you have so many, you wear so many hats that, I mean, I can't even keep track of them. Um, so this is from Shelley, and she says, my first introduction to Franklin's outstanding academic record and interest was shortly after he applied to the University of Iowa for a PhD program in mass communication to begin fall 2019. He was nominated for and received a Graduate College Iowa Recruitment Fellowship. Since arriving, Franklin has received two additional awards to support his international research focused on Chinese engagement in his native Kenya. He's also received a Stanley Award from International Programs in 2020 and a T. Ann Cleary Dissertation Award from the Graduate College this year. 
Both awards provided travel funds for Franklin to spend time in Kenya. Franklin has served on the International Student Advisory Board since 2020, uh, where his role has been that of communications director. Uh, Franklin also received a second nomination from Professor Melissa Tully, who is here tonight. Melissa, if I'm not mistaken, you are the interim director of the School of Journalism and Mass Communication? Okay, very good. Um, and Melissa states that Franklin is a leader and mentor for international students at the University of Iowa. He works formally and informally to mentor and support international graduate students and has been particularly dedicated to sharing his experiences and opportunities with other students from Sub-Saharan Africa. As a Kenyan graduate student, Franklin is knowledgeable about the challenges of moving to the United States to pursue higher education. He has experience navigating American systems and cultures and is always willing to share those experiences with other students. We are dedicated to, no, we, are, we as a unit, as a school of journalism and mass communications, are dedicated to international education and Franklin's work and mentorship are an important part of the work we do in the department and broader university. And I do wanna share an anecdote just from today related to, to Franklin. So all of you know the Daily Iowan, right? You read the Daily Iowan, you, you subscribe, and you, you go on DITV and all of that. So the managing editor, uh, Sabine Martin, uh, interviewed me today to talk about internationalization, international students, kind of what we do in international students and scholar services uh, to serve the needs of international students. And one of the questions that she asked me was, can you think of an international student who's had a huge impact on this campus? And I said, well, tonight, you know, uh, we are conferring our Global Student Award to Franklin Matanji. And she said, he was my TA. <laughs> He's terrific. It was one of the best classes I ever took. So Franklin, your reach is far and wide and your, your impact is, is vast and we're delighted to confer the Global Student Award uh, for graduate students to you this year. Hello everyone, um, today is such a really happy moment for me and I just want to thank Melissa Tali, she's been an amazing mentor and advisor to me. I want to thank um, Shelly Campo as well. I've worked with Shelly Campo, I've worked with Ross Gannon, I've, Russ, I've worked with so many people here, I've worked with Lynn here, like most of the faces here are very familiar. I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to work on campus and serve every one of like every community on campus. I really enjoy serving and I passionately do it because I've also been in situations where so many people have come and stood by me. So every time I feel like I have an opportunity to serve, I always just want to do it passionately because that's the best thing I can just do. I, don't, I can't think of anything else that I can do. I'm really grateful to everyone. I'm grateful to the University of Iowa for the, all the opportunities that I've received in terms of if it's awards, research grants, that I'm really, really grateful. And just to encourage, I know I have some of my fellow graduate students here. Just if you find an opportunity to serve, just 
pull out your hand, stretch your hand, serve, help your, your friend, your colleague if you can. Just that's the best we can do. And just to say thanks again, especially to my advisor. She's just, she's been very amazing to me. I'm really grateful. And, and maybe I'll just say one final thing before we move on to the, the next segment. And it kind of picks up on what Franklin is saying. If there are things we can do to imitate the examples of Andy Code, Brian Hubbard, and Franklin Matanji, we should do that. Please look to them uh, for inspiration. Please look to them as you advance your own global mission here at the University of Iowa and take us to the next level. Uh, in international education. And let's uh, give our recipients one more round of applause. Well, welcome everyone to World Canvas and congratulations, Andy, on your well-deserved award. Real pleasure to meet you. And also thank you, Dimi Dureska, for being here. I will introduce Dimi in terms of his title and his role here at the university as well. He's Associate Professor of Practice, Management, and Entrepreneurship in the Tippie College of Business and Director of the UI's Institute for International Business. Pleasure to have you here. And Julie Zerwick, the Dean of the UI College of Nursing, really lovely to have you here as well. Uh, so Andy, uh, you've heard many congratulations so far. Far, uh, I give you another. And uh, this is our chance, really, to learn something about you, something about uh, your life. You mentioned a few things as you were accepting the award about growing up here in Iowa City and feeling at the times that you didn't know that much about the world beyond. Well, clearly, that's not the case anymore. You've taken it upon yourself to, to get out there and see what's happening, what you can do. Uh, so, so tell us a little bit about your goals in philanthropy. I have a, a question that I sort of had two different ways to ask it, so I'll probably combine them. Um, how has your life influenced your philanthropy, and how has your philanthropy influenced your life? Wow. Um, well, philanthropy is something that is learned. It's not something that you're just given, and someone has to kind of lead the way, and, and uh, early in probably my professional career, I had the opportunity through a number of organizations to witness some of the best givers that I'd ever run across and seeing people that, uh, that reached into and formed relationships with people, I, I realized that people don't give to causes, they give to other people. And so the more you get proximate with people uh, in a close way and show up and become part of their lives, know their names, understand their plight, understand how they got where they are, the more you feel a need to actually participate and you know, we've all been given different gifts. Some are, are blessed with more resources than others, some with talent, some with just time. And I realized that you know, I wasn't kind of one of those people that had lots of different uh, skills when it came to you know, teaching people different things, but I, I was fortunate to, you know, to have created some resources through the businesses that we had invested in and had an opportunity to invest those and invest my life and the life of our family in those places and we just started taking baby steps and the baby steps led to bigger steps and pretty soon we had 
serious relationships across the continent, uh, first starting really in the Chicagoland area and in the inner city of Chicago, dealing a lot with education, a lot with healthcare, a lot with just disasters and, and needs in the world, and some in, in uh, evangelism, and we're strong in our Christian faith, and we have a lot of things that we do that are tied to that as well. And those four areas tended to be integrated, and we started going places in the world after Chicago and seeing that the needs are just, they're never going to be satisfied, but we have an opportunity to, to, to insert ourselves in that and be part of that plan. Mm-hmm. Well, you talked about how you and your wife um, launched your children also very early on into these hands-on experiences. What was your first international endeavor as a young student or the first time you really sort of got beyond the U.S.? Well, it was, it was that same trip. I would say that, you know, I, uh, I never went overseas until I was 35. I mean, growing up here in Iowa, I d- we never had any resources to speak of. We never really traveled internationally. Um, I started my career, you know, 22 in Chicago and never even thought about going anywhere. I went to Europe for the first time at, at 35, and then we had kids at a relatively early age, and that trip to Honduras was the, the first trip that I've ever taken into the developing world. And it was into a small town called Comiagua, and uh, we worked with an orphanage there, and, um, and I was re- really, really desiring just to shock my kids out of this materialism thing that has tended to, in, you know, uh, infest uh, all of our youth today, and it's so easy to see, and even more so today with, uh, you know, the, the cell phones and things right in front of you. So we really just wanted to shock them and, and show them that the rest of the world doesn't live uh, like perhaps we were living in Hinsdale. And uh, ironically, my wife and I both uh, got a lot out of it ourselves. I mean, we literally just, you know, built a stone wall with the kids and took a, a close to a week to do it. And uh, the more we got dirty and the more we got to know these kids, the more our hearts changed. And um, there was a little girl that I met uh, 21 years ago. She now is a mother of two, a single parent, and I've been sponsoring her and staying in touch with her now for close to 20 years, and that's how relationships are formed. Right, right. Well, we, we do know you were very specific in informing us when you were named the awardee that this is really an award that should go to you and to your wife for creating the foundation and for her very important um, work as your partner in deciding what you do internationally. And, and we'll talk a little bit about the nursing projects um, a little bit later. But uh, if you go back to those years when you were growing up here in Iowa City, what were some of your most important influences at that time? Well, I was really lucky. We had two really, really good parents. Uh, really, my mom was a teacher. My dad worked at the Press Citizen for 36 years. Um, had a paper out when I was 9 or 10 years old, and I never stopped working. Worked all the way through grade school, all the way through junior high, high school, all the way through graduate school. Um, work ethic was just instilled in us at a very early age, and there were no options. Um, you know, my dad said, you go any school you want to as long as it's Iowa. <laughs> and that's, that's, where, that's where I went. And um, so that was, you know, just having great parents that, you know, stayed together and loved on us and, and were very, very generous um, was a big part of it. And then you know, I got introduced as I'm on the National Board of Young. I got introduced to Young Life at a at, at age when I was in in junior high or, or late junior high, early high school, and got involved and stayed in, involved. I was on leadership here and at the college, and um, instilled a faith in us that uh, is still there today. And my wife and I share that, and our family shares that, and it kind of drives us to do things 
um, for eternity, not just for the things on this on this earth. Mm -hmm. <coughs> well, and I know just just staying a moment uh, longer on the uh, commitment to to your faith. In Chicago, you have started a group that is uh, a Christian group that is a philanthropically oriented group as well. Do you care to say anything about that? Well, we, um, so back, I, I started a private equity firm back in 1988. Uh, it, came, it went on to be a relatively large firm with several billion dollars under management. We'd bought hundreds of companies and um, as work became more and more time consuming and all encompassing, I felt the need to kind of get back to some of my spiritual roots, and we started just a men's fellowship on Friday mornings uh, once a month, and it uh, just started inviting three or four guys, and pretty soon it became six or seven, and then pretty soon it was 15, and, and pretty soon it was every other week, and then pretty soon it was every week, and today we have 1,300 business people in Chicago land that are part of this, and the whole idea is to let business people know that there's other skills that they can um, bring into things in the inner city and help after-school programs for kids and help raise money and help their le with their legal efforts and integrate them into some of these uh, wonderful things that are going on as people serve. And um, it's grown to the point where it's, like I said, we've taken, I've taken uh, 20 groups of 25 men down to Honduras and I've taken five groups of people to Haiti. I've taken people to Uganda and, and Kenya and Rwanda and Swazi, and so the more we do that, the more they want to bring their wives involved, and then they want to bring their kids, and pretty soon it becomes integrated into their DNA, and it's something that they just can't do without, and so it's been really a blessing to see that happen. I wish I could say that we'd planned it. It wasn't a blueprint. It just kind of happened organically, and it exists to this day, and uh, we have a lot of young, you know, young people today, young business people in Chicago that are coming in, and um, yeah, it's, it's been wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. terrific. Um, so for those of us who really aren't very familiar with, we hear the term private equi equity, but don't really know what, what is private equity? What's an investment firm that deals with private equity? How did you get into that after you left Iowa with your MBA? Yeah, so I started out in, in commercial banking uh, in 1981, a little bank called American National Bank in Chicago. It's today part of what's JP Morgan. It got consumed by First Chicago and then by you know, Chase, and now it's part of J.P. Morgan, and uh, worked there for five years, and then went to work for Citicorp for three years, and um, at the ripe old age of 29, I felt like um, if we could raise some capital, there's people that would give us the opportunity to start buying some of these companies, and so we raised $82 million back in 1988 and 89, and we bought 11 uh, what I'll call metal benders. One was a swing set company, a screw and nut company, a um, we bought a, um, a company made metal shelving and a, a variety of things were very prosaic businesses, small, simple things. We bought them cheap and we turned the, these companies into businesses and we sold them and we turned that 82 into $382 million for our investors and they were happy with us and we were able to uh, raise four subsequent funds and uh, as, I, as I pointed out. And then um, we did, I did that for 25 years and then I left about 12 years ago uh, and started a multifamily office with another family. And again, it wasn't something I planned with a blueprint. It was just two families together. We just wanted to do life together, invest our capital together. Bought, started buying a couple of very small little businesses. And today, 12 years later, we have 75 families, three billion uh, in capital behind us. And we've bought uh, 29 companies. So 
Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a real joy. We have 43 people working, all 43. Um, I mean, we give money into a charity that our work, and we have young people give that money away. Every single year we give to 20 different organizations. We try to integrate that charity and the philanthropy into the actual DNA of, uh, of the young people. I'm the oldest person at the firm by a pretty significant amount of years, but I still go in and still just love the vibrancy, and we, we bring meals in. It's just a great culture, very, very diverse, and very, you know, just very exciting. We send, we send and pay for people's um, um, trips around the world to do different things if they want to do it, so. Just fabulous. Well, so I'm going to jump over to Jimmy here for a minute because uh, not only in the nomination letters but in other conversations, um, I'm aware of your mentoring of students in uh, um, the Institute for International Business and um, students, of course, who are in other countries who may be uh, young entrepreneurs or want to get started in business. Um, Jimmy, tell us a little something about what you know about Andy and how he affects the students he, he talks with. Well, so I met Andy in, in 2016 when Lynette Marshall sent me an email and she said, I've just returned from Florida. You need to meet that man. I said, because he's been talking a lot about Haiti, about uh, his involvement in Haiti. You need to meet uh, Andy Cole. And I said, okay, I'm interested. So. Those of you who know me in the room, I never say no. So, <laughs> so and and then so I uh, Lynette made the connection via email, and the next day we had a phone call, and we started talking about Haiti. We started talking about uh, Africa, the, the Mandela Washington Fellowship Program. So, and then I, you know, Andy invited me to. He asked me to go to Haiti and 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 s to visit the. Uh, the university, which is University of JME, and the establishment and all the works that they're doing in the southern cone of Haiti. So I went there, and, and un unfortunately, there was at a time when a hurricane just happened um, in that part of Haiti. So when I when, when I came back and, and I briefed Andy about what I saw on the ground and the students that I met there at that university, and how eager they were to get on the entrepreneurial journey. So I did a small session of entrepreneurship with them, and, and they were very energized. And, 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 and I told Andy, I s I'm, I'm seeing the need of putting together a well-organized program to, to continue working on entrepreneurship with, with these students. So, so I put together uh, uh, a program, and then, so that's when, uh, uh, we started talking about the nursing part of that program, and I know you're gonna talk about that later. So, so the program was two-part entrepreneurship and nursing. So on the entrepreneurship standpoint, what I like about Andy is that he's a type of uh, philanthropist that likes to roll up his sleeves and get his hand dirty. What I mean by that, he doesn't just give the support and then sit back and wait for you to report. He likes to go and see himself. He likes to go and participate himself. And he did just that with me in Haiti and, and talked to the young entrepreneurs and saw the training, see what they were doing and the type of businesses, mainly really small things. Some want to start, for instance, uh, a peanut butter, you know, a small scale peanut butter factory, you know. Some wants to 
uh, grow uh, corns and and others want to do you know uh, uh, mushrooms and this kind of thing so uh, and others would want to have you know small scale chicken farms you know to have eggs and stuff to sell to the community so those are the, the, the small and and all of that you'd see Andy would go and talk to almost each of these entrepreneurs and and hear their dreams and 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 help them motivate them and, and these kind of things so then when we have our first cohort of Mandela Washington Fellow in, uh, in, in, in the summer of uh, 2017, that's when I, I told Andy, for those of you that don't know the Mandela Washington Fellowship Program, uh, it's a State Department funding program that brings young entrepreneurs from South Africa to the U.S. And we have a cohort of 25 every summer and they're from several countries in Sub-Saharan Africa. And we've had about 149 Mandela Washington Fellows across 37, uh, 38 uh, countries in Sub-Saharan Africa. And Andy, has, he has been involved from the beginning. And when I invited him to uh, participate in the first uh, uh, pitch uh, contest of the Mandela Fellows, and we just, you know, he spent, this is the guy, as I told, who likes to roll up his sleeves and get to work. The contest was two hour long. He drained us via Zoom from, from Chicago. That was even before Zoom was a thing, okay? <laughs> so before Zoom was a thing. So he drained us. He, s he sat during the entire time, listened through all the pitches. And then he called me back right after. He said, we got to do something for these uh, fellows. And, and he said, what if, you know, uh, we create a fund, we give some money, and we can award to each of them some money when they go back, and then they can implement it, the, their projects. And then that's when we started. So we created the Mandela Washington, uh, the Code Family Foundation Mandela Washington Fellowship Pitch Contest. So every year, we are the only uh, uh, fellowship program, because the fellowship program has about 25 university hosts across the United States. So we are the only uh, program that has this uh, pitch contest where the fellows, they at the end of their entrepreneurship program, they finish developing their projects. They can pitch their idea to uh, uh, a panel of judges. And Andy, whenever he's available, he always, just last summer, he sat two and a half hours, you know, <laughs> listening to all the pitches. And he was judged. He was asking tough questions, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, a busy man like this always, you know, uh, made time. That's his passion. That's what I said, you know. He's doing it with all his heart. And then he traveled and visited the fellows, you know. And, and, and he went to Uganda, and I put together an agenda for him, and I couldn't go with him that time. And he visited four of my Mandela Washington fellows in Uganda, the farmer, healthcare, you know, and, and two healthcare folks. He visited, yeah, four of them. So, and, and we're going to be doing some, some travel together. I mean, and, and you know, and, and I remember, you know, our times, you know, back in Haiti with, you know, Andrea and my wife and Andy, we, we sat at the table. We were, you know, discussing all the major problems. I mean, we didn't solve any of them, but we discussed them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, so Andy's coaching and, and mentorship, you know, not only, you know, to me, and, but also to 
the, the Mandela Fellows and also the students in, 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 in Haiti. This is it's invaluable. And, and when, when I always tell my Mandela Washington Fellows, I say, you know, you're gonna, we, I'm going to hold you accountable because not only I will come visit, but before you know it, Andy Code will come and visit. <laughs> so <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> that's why I always tell them. So this is the type of, 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 of I, I call it really a partnership. It's really not like a, a, a donor relation. It's really a partnership. So you know, I want ideas by him, and you know, it's that's that's how you know we're gonna continue this partnership. You know, he's my mentor, and he mentors to the to 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 the students, the Mandela Fellows. One of the one of the um, Mandela who Lucy who actually won it what three years ago. So we're. We're uh, deep into a full year now. She went on and got her pediatric degree uh, after she graduated. She had a medical degree, then a pediatric degree. Now she's got a full clinic that we have built from scratch, and she has uh, 20 people working there, and she's servicing 300 per month, and she's going to grow it, and she's just relying on She wrote a full business plan, and, and we funded a, over a six-figure uh, healthcare clinic for him, and, and she's going to be, a, it, it's her passion. She's a single mother of two. She was an orphan herself. She uh, realized that she had to give back to the community, so she built this healthcare clinic in an area that there was no healthcare within 60 miles in a radius anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really exciting. I just got her proposal today. She wants an ambulance now, so we'll have to figure out whether that makes any sense. Yeah. But uh, but what Demi didn't tell you is that he's actually from Lakai, in which is about it's one of the closest cities to Jeremy on the western end of. Of Haiti, he and his wife are, and 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 the the gentleman that we spend a lot of time with, Donnie Saint Germain, down in Jeremy, actually went to the same high school uh -huh. that Dimmy went to in Haiti. So it's yeah, just one of those small so worlds as we got down there. Yeah, so it's really yeah. great. Yeah. Well, uh, before we move on to Julie and and some of your projects in nursing, when you meet a young, energetic person who wants to do this thing, wants to start this thing, the peanut factory, whatever, living in a very different country and culture. Um, social setup than we have here. What are the connecting points? What is the, the basic place where you uh, begin that conversation with this person? Well, that's a great point. I mean, and it, you know, it's like anything. There's a lot of really, really um, smart people with what they think is a good idea that really might have no commercialization potential. So I think to some degree you have to you have to pick and choose where you where you concentrate your efforts. You can't. You can't give everybody money. Sometimes you're doing someone a favor when you don't. Um, as you know, as, as Demi knows, there are 25 different proposals. We gave money to maybe a third of them. Uh, the other two thirds we didn't fund. So you have to be. You have to discern what you think uh, the best opportunities are. And um, I always, you know, there's only a few Michael Jordans in the world. And if you can find them, and they happen to be in places where your skills align and your resources align, you get behind the people you really think have the talent to to make it work and employ the most people and make the biggest impact. Yeah, yeah, gosh. Well, um, let me move over to Julie Zerwick now, who's the Dean of the College of Nursing. Pleasure to have you here. And um, Julie, uh, we want to talk about some of the nursing-related and healthcare programs, I know, in Eswatini and elsewhere. What can you tell us about the partnership the College of Nursing has with Andy Code and the Code Family Foundation? Well, thank you. Uh, I, I guess I'll talk a little bit about the Haiti project since Demi started to introduce that. Uh, actually, when I arrived as dean in 2017, Andrea had just gotten back from, I think, her first uh, trip to Haiti. 
Um, and it was a really incredible experience where she was invited to come on that trip to make an assessment of the healthcare in Jeremy, particularly a clinic and an orphanage, and then propose some, some changes that really needed to be made. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, there were things about the orphanage where the children were receiving you know, limited nutrition. Um, the, the sanitation was of huge concern, um, clean water, um, doing things like making recommendations on uh, supervision and uh, you know, recommending that there were house mothers in those orphanages and how did those um, house mothers need to interact with those children. So that has become uh, some of Andrea, uh, Andrea Achenbach, um, Dr. Andrea Achenbach's work the last few years of really connecting with that community and making um, important recommendations on how to improve the health care. Um, one of the most recent things that she's been able to do is bring uh, two of the physicians here to Iowa City and uh, provide an opportunity for them to learn right here on the ground and bring some of that information back. Uh, so there's continued interaction between both the University of Iowa College of Nursing and what's happening on the ground in Haiti. So we're grateful that she's been able to continue that work even during um, times when we haven't been able to travel to Haiti. And that's um, because of the funding from the Code Family Foundation. Uh, the second project that uh, the College of Nursing has been involved with, um, Dr. Anita Nicholson and Kim Nuxel, who's hiding back there too, um, they have a deep, deep connection to uh, Eswatini and previously known as Swaziland. Uh, Dr. Nicholson has been going to Eswatini for, since 2010 and collaborating with nurses there to uh, improve the health care and also then bringing some of that knowledge back about how you work in low-resourced environments to our students here. Um, I think it was tw about 2018 was your first trip where you, um, Dr. Nicholson and Ms. Nuxel, brought a group of 12 of University of Iowa nursing students for their community health practicum to Eswatini, where they spent the whole semester learning about and preparing for that experience and then spending two weeks in that country actually delivering health care, learning from the youth um, some of their struggles, um, uh, collaborating with the nurses on how do you provide health care, and then again coming back, passing the torch on to the next group of students who will go there. So with the Cold Family Foundation support, we've actually been able to fund scholarships so students have um, equal chances uh, to be able to have that experience. In uh, nursing programs, they're pretty packed uh, with coursework and they don't always get the experience to go to another country and see what healthcare is like. So this has been a, a real gift and we are uh, so pleased that the um, plans are to travel back again this spring. But again, I would say that um, through Kim and Anita's work, they have continued to collaborate with nurses throughout the pandemic, providing uh, information, providing support, and preparing them for the next time that they're able to travel. So I did prepare, just for those of you who are in the room, a little bit about each of these projects, and it's back on the desk. 
in case you want to learn a little bit more or you want to contact um, either of our faculty. Yeah, terrific. Well, you know, you, you said something there that struck me as being um, incredibly important. Our nursing students or our nursing faculty go to another country and they're, of course, able to impart some of the learning that they have, the way we do things here. But in an under-resourced medical environment, they are certainly learning from the people who are trying to keep things together on the ground uh, how very different it is and some of the compromises they may need to make or certainly some of the things they need. This, uh, this must be one of the most important exchanges that happens. Hmm? Yes, they're able to bring back that knowledge and skill set so that when they're working in inner cities of Chicago or in you know, um, areas of the country that don't have all of the same supplies easily available, they learn how to, um, how to make do, how to, how to be innovative in terms of the care that they provide because they had that experience in their nursing education. Uh, I'll ask you to speak also for your wife here because I know that you're a graduate of the College of Nursing. And when you have um, designed projects or you have begun to think about what you think might be most helpful in some uh, other part of the world, how do you arrive at that decision? Do you, you said people-to-people -people contact is incredibly important. Does it usually come about because you've met someone who just sort of triggered an interest or is there some other way? Yeah, well, what, here at the university, I will tell you that the development team has been phenomenal in kind of responding to what our foundation really has a heart for giving to. I mean, it's we don't have a desire to put our name on a building or any of those types of things. We do love scholarships, but uh, we really challenged I mean, Tom DePringer and Dana and a few others to come up with some things that actually resonated with our heart's desires and, you know, with, with Sue being a nurse uh, here and uh, healthcare being one of the four pillars I talked about. Um, we really wanted to find a way to take this unbelievable expertise of one of the biggest and best you know, teaching hospitals in the world and take this expertise and find a way to use it in these, in these areas. And it really started out one of the, uh, 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 Dean Schwinn, when she was in the med school, we said, you know, is there some way we can do something with the med school? And they identified this program in Niger where they were teaching um, young medical students and nurses how to do fistula surgery in Niger, where they had this incredible problem of having lots of kids and having them at a very early age, and entire teams would go over from the university, medical teams would go over and teach them and leave them with this, and there was, Susan Bebot was a, a medical student that went over there and established a, a healthcare clinic in Niger, um, in a really tough community in Niger, and, um, moved her family over there, and the University of Iowa was very consistent, made five, six, seven trips over, and then we found a way to kind of help fund those trips and bring that expertise over, and then, of course, we had these testimonies from people at the University of Iowa that came back and just wrote these unbelievable, because they'd go over for, for two weeks to three months or whatever, and their lives were changed as well, you know, going and working with people. So uh, the university has done a fabulous job of finding ways to integrate our heart's desires with the capabilities and desires here. And then, I'm, uh, you know, someone like Andrea Achenbach, who I've had a chance to travel with, or Demi and his wife, and, and you form these life relationships. Once you, when you travel with somebody, it's a lot different than just, you know, being in a classroom or being, you know, you have an opportunity to break bread with people and get up in the morning with people and, and go through trials with people, right? These international travel is not easy. I mean, it, and, you're, and we are not staying True. at the Four Seasons. I mean, these, these are not, you know, this is not comfortable travel. 
um, but it is you know life-changing for mm -hmm. all of us. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I can't thank you all enough, particularly you, Andy, for, for making the trip from Chicago and for being with us tonight. Um, congratulations on the International Impact Award, and congratulations also to you for the work with the uh, Code Family Foundation. So thank you, Dean Dureska, uh, Julie Zerwick, and Andy Code. Please give our guests a hand. <laughs> going to bring our next guests up now. Can I yes, if you'll step forward, please. <laughs> so in this part of tonight's program, we have the great pleasure of talking with the two University of Iowa students who've been chosen from an exceptional group of nominees to receive the 2022 Global Student Awards. These awards were established by UI International Programs in the Division of Student Light, Life uh, to recognize one undergraduate and one graduate student who are leaders deeply engaged in international education on campus or abroad. And we're gonna be talking first with Ryan Hubbard and her faculty nominator, Ari Ariel. Thank you both for being here, a real pleasure to see you. And uh, congratulations on your award, Ryan. Uh, it's a little bit hard to know where to start with you because you have done such interesting things as a student. Um, I'll just uh, remind people who heard some of this from Russ uh, earlier when he uh, spoke about your work, but you uh, have spent this past summer, I believe, in Jordan, is that correct? Yes, mm -hmm. I was in Amman this summer. Yes, and so tell us about that whole project. This is part of a critical language scholarship, very hard to get a nationally competitive scholarship, and uh, kudos to you for getting that it's from the U.S. Department of State. But so you spent the summer in Amman, Jordan, and that was principally to improve your Arabic? Oh yeah, we were um, in classes five days a week for like the, the entirety of the day, so that was most definitely the yeah. primary goal. Yeah, and had you traveled to the Middle East before? Nope. No. Okay, so why did you start studying Arabic here at Iowa? Um, there, see, I don't have the good reason that you're supposed to have for this. Um, <laughs> I took Spanish in high school because um, that was the only language we could take. And I think if I'm being as honest with myself now, my sister was too good at Spanish for me to keep studying Spanish. Like uh -huh. I had too much to catch up on. <laughs> and so it's like, we're going to do something wildly different. Um, and then somehow we ended up at Arabic. And it was just wonderful. The entire, like, I will, you can ask Claire. I will sing the praises of the entire Arabic department to anyone who will listen. Um, so you're gonna get that. Um, Esma bin Ramadan is, she, she was my first year teacher. And she, as anyone that has met her will tell you, is one of the most energetic and sociable people I have ever met. Um, so she very much was like, drew me into the program and I guess the language also. Um, Yasmin Ramadan um, is, probably one of my favorite, if not the favorite person that I've gotten to meet on campus. She's wonderful and brilliant. Um, she was my intermediate teacher. And then um, I had Ella um, Nassif. Oh, I'm so sorry, I cannot remember her last name. I think it's Nassif. Mm -hmm. She was a grad student and she was my advanced teacher and she was super into like the, the grammar and the nitty gritty parts of Arabic. I was like, yes, Ella, let's learn the nitty gritty parts of it. 
Um, and then now they have Khaled Rajah as um, a TA, and he's teaching, and he's also wonderful. Um, so all the people, I think, mm -hmm. are the main reason that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still here. But you grew up in Clinton, Iowa, took Spanish. You came here, and you signed up for Arabic. Was that in your first year, second year? Yes, this is very first semester. That is so interesting. Have you, so in addition to, to the language study, what um, history courses or, or other departments have you been involved with in order to, to sort of round out that interest you have in Arabic? Ooh, um, specifically to Arabic? Oh, no, 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 just in general. Eastern, just generally. Um, I took, last spring I had um, Professor James Giblin for the making of modern Africa, and he's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I frequently go to pester him in his office hours. Um, <laughs> what else have I taken? I have any class with Yasmin Ramadan, um, or also just pestering her in her office hours. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, under, you're majoring in international studies and economics, is yes. that right? With minors in Arabic and History, Arabic yes. studies and history. Yeah. So anyway, you're enjoying your time at yes, Iowa. Whatever you take, there. If, if you it. can tell by that list, I enjoy too many <laughs> things and just keep throwing stuff on to, to justify it. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Professor Ariel, so you are an associate professor of history and international studies here at the UI, and you also serve as the director of international studies. You nominated uh, Ryan for this award. Uh, tell us a little more about her. She's very modest. Can you yeah, I can tell. Um, First of all, I know this is not part of this award, but she's an, an excellent student. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's not what this award is about, but yeah. she's the student who, if you mention somebody in passing, the next week she might come back and say, oh, well, I read his book, and like, right? So <laughs> she's, she's really, she takes on a lot. Um, you can see that from the list of things she does. Yeah. And she does it in a way that really makes herself as much a colleague as a student. She really, I mean, you can have intellectual conversations. She mm -hmm. serves the community. She may as well just, you know, take over and be one of us. Right? So <laughs> I didn't think that that could go unrecognized yeah. because she does so much work that she's not recognized for. Yeah. In addition to her work as a student, I'm glad that, that we can recognize her here. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, some of the things on that list of really great accomplishments are the Critical Language Scholarship, which we already mentioned. Uh, you have been working in the Center for Language and Culture, learning uh, student social media and marketing. Um, uh, you're a marketing specialist and working with social media in that uh, in that area, and that's actually a very time-consuming job. I, I work in a communications unit, and social media is something that, even though we may all flip through it, not really thinking much about what we're looking at, the people who are responsible for posting things, particularly from a university setting, really have have a lot to consider. Um, what puts you in that particular position? Um, that's a good question. I don't remember. So I had a I had a different job that I was totally down with getting a new job. Um, and I think it was probably one of those mass emails that the university sends out, and I was like, that sounds fun. Um, <laughs> and then Claire, my wonderful supervisor over there, I had <laughs> a, um, a different supervisor who has moved on to a different job, um, Lauren Andrews, who is also wonderful. And so I just showed up to the first meeting for what we were supposed to do, and you know, I started doing that, and I would sit at the desk every day, and I was like, I'm bored, how do I, what do I do with this? And she's like, you could make some content for us to post about. And then I just kept doing it. And she said I was good at it. And so I just kept doing it. And um, I think the fancy title is what we came <laughs> up with when I was trying to update a resume. And I was like, Lauren, what do we call what I do? And she gave me that fancy Sounds title. Good. So I don't know if this is a sanctioned title. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's just been super fun. I, I 
it is like time consuming, I guess, but it's yeah. like, it's not, it's like fun work. I get to highlight all kinds of people doing fun and amazing things. I just interviewed um, via Zoom a girl who's in Amman right now for, uh, who just got the Foreign Award, um, Addie oh. Brooks. Oh. And um, last year I interviewed a girl who's studying Chinese and Spanish and Arabic and linguistics at the university. And like there's so many amazing and cool individuals, both students and faculty that I get the chance to highlight and learn about. Yeah. And it's yeah. been fun and wonderful. Wow, 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 good for you. And so um, what's the Translate Iowa project? You're also involved in that. Only since August, so I'm mm -hmm. at the beginning of this. The, uh -huh. the people actually involved in it, Kyler Johnson and Sophie Perez, are, are, are wonderful and much more um, knowledgeable about it. But I'm, going to, I'm joining them to attempt to translate some things with them. Uh, things, un university? Um, no, so they, I guess I should explain. So they um, publish a book through the, the Writing Center every year that's a collection of largely student submissions, largely in English, that then students who are learning um, other languages or translation get the chance to practice on. And mm -hmm. um, so obviously those are, these are not perfect translations, sure. but it's like getting the chance to work on literary translations and seeing that what that process looks like. Wow, that's really terrific. Now, I want to read a little something from responses you gave us when um, you, you were asked to respond to a few questions. And you said, I think the most valuable thing I've learned is that everyone is the same. We should absolutely be celebrating diversity and different backgrounds and experiences and cultures, but not exoticizing others or forgetting our common humanity. Especially as a student of Arabic, I'm aware of how much the Middle East and North Africa get made out to be foreign, dangerous, monolithic, and other. Even news segments trying to take a positive spin fall back on exoticization. So in our personal and public endeavors toward diversity and global awareness, we have to be conscious of questions of power and othering. I think the easiest way to begin to do that is to recognize the commonalities between every culture and society and the individualism of every individual. Unbelievable, unbelievable. <laughs> Who could say that better? Just, just really so wonderful. And clearly, this is this is who you are. This is what you feel. What do you plan to do with your uh, work life going forward? Do you know what your your interests are? I was worried you were going to ask me this question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ultimate goal to deflect the question largely. The ultimate goal is just to be a cool old lady. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> and like, a, like you know, the cool old lady who I would think right now, like, she's cool as hell. I want to be like her. Um, <laughs> what exactly that will look like is to be determined. But um, the plan right now is to continue working on my Arabic skills, hopefully somewhere that speaks Arabic. You know, it's, yeah. it's a little rough to try and learn a language that isn't... Um, spoken around you very much. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, grad school, knock on wood, um, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. The goal yeah. is to become like cool, cool professor people, <laughs> <laughs> like the one next to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Ari, uh, tell us just a little bit about the, the international studies program here at Iowa. Um, how do students like Ryan find their way into that? By sure luck from our perspective, right? <laughs> I mean, we really tend to attract great students who are really interested, socially aware, um, active in the community. We're, we're really blessed. Um, I guess we, we the program started as a way to, for, it started in a more kind of old-fashioned area studies 
way where there, there was no place on campus to do things like Middle Eastern studies or African studies or mm -hmm. things of that nature. And it's now sort of refocused itself on global studies to look at, at connections and commonalities and and we're just lucky to have such great students. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations to you, Ryan. Thank you, Ari, for being here with us. And please, give our guests a hand. And it's now my pleasure to welcome the graduate student recipient of this year's Global Student Award, Franklin Natanji. Franklin is a PhD student in mass communication who hails from Mumias, Kenya. And joining Franklin for this conversation are his nominators. <coughs> Next to him is Melissa Tully, Associate Professor and Interim Director of the UI School of Journalism and Mass Communication. Thanks for being here. And at the far end, we have Shelley Campo, Associate Dean of the UI Graduate College. Thank you, Shelley. Um, so, Franklin, oh my gosh, we have a lot to talk about with you as well. It was so nice to hear your remarks when you accepted your uh, award. Uh, just a few of those things that Russ mentioned, I'll mention again here. You received the Graduate College's Iowa Recruitment Fellowship, a Stanley Award for International Research Grant in uh, 2020, a Student Impact Grant, an award from the University of Iowa's Office of the President in collaboration with the Center for Advancement, the T.N. Cleary Dissertation Award from the Graduate College, a Graduate Engagement Corps Grant for a Community Engagement Project, the John F. Murray Outstanding Doctoral Student Teaching Award, and as we already know, you're a member of the International Student Advisory uh, Board. Um, where do we start with you? My gosh, how do you find time in the day, time in the year? to do all the things you're doing here as a student at Iowa? Um, I think it's hard. I don't want to lie, because I know um, I know of my friends who've told me, okay, I think you need to at least chill out and <laughs> get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> my advisor told me this too, but um, I just enjoy doing, doing what my heart really loves. Mm -hmm. And if I decide to do something, I just passionately do it. Like I just go for it, I'm just going for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have lots of support, people who appreciate who you are and what you're doing. So tell us a little bit about the research projects you're, you're doing in Kenya and what your dissertation is going to be about. Yeah, so for my dissertation, I'm looking at, um, so I hope everyone knows that China has been heavily investing in Africa and other parts of the world as well. So I'm just interested in studying what Kenyans think about Chinese investments, if they think China is maybe coming as the next second colonizer because everyone knows how the African continent was colonized, or if they think China is really contributing to economic empowerment. So I just want to learn what people think, mm -hmm. what the perceptions of people about mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And have you already gotten some of that research underway, or is this something you're hoping to do this summer when you go to Kenya? Yeah, so last summer, I, I, I saw that one of the grants. I traveled over to Kenya and I interviewed Kenyans, I interviewed several people in Nairobi, so I'm, an, I'm analyzing data of part of what I interviewed people. And then next summer, hopefully, I'll also be traveling to Kenya because my dissertation is in two phases. So phase one, I'm already done. So phase two, I'll be going back to survey Kenyans so that I have both interviews and surveys so that ah. I just have a deep understanding of what is going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And did I hear something about social media? Uh, you're doing some research within one of your professors on social media and community empowerment? Yeah, so that's, um, I'm interested in, so one of my, in 
interests in academia is just understanding how media contributes towards the economic environment. Mm -hmm. So I applied for a research grant. I was lucky to get it. And so I'll just be, so there are groups in Kenya and I guess most of the other developing countries, this is the same scenario. Like people will form um, self-help groups and then they support each other, especially in um, collectivist societies. Mm -hmm. So I'm just interested in how these um, self-help groups employ digital media and by digital media I mean how they use social media, how they use phones, smartphones, mm -hmm. internet and other stuff, yeah. Just seeing how these things empower them. Yeah. Like for example, um, when I was in Kenya before I came to the US, we worked on a project where we were looking at post-harvest handling, like we were looking at how farmers in rural Kenya handle food once they've harvested it because most of the food, especially in most regions, just go to waste. So like how we were looking at ways in which they can employ digital media to access markets that are far beyond their reach at the moment. Yeah, mm -hmm. wow. Wow, so let me bring Melissa in at this point. Uh, is is uh, Franklin sort of breaking new ground in some of this research and communication? Yeah, uh, the one thing I really like about what Franklin just talked about is the way he thinks about economics and the economy from so many levels, right? Mm -hmm. So the sort of macro level of Chinese investment sounds like this very big, big thing, but all the way down to the micro level of how farmers are thinking about the economy in their, yeah. in their everyday lives. So I think one thing that Franklin brings with his perspective is this ability to kind of see big and see small yeah. and really take advantage of, of his, his skills and his, his thoughtfulness into understanding these phenomena in much more complex ways. Right? We can only learn so much from really small scale. We can only learn so much from really big scale, but when we take it together, and we try to do a fuller picture, which as you can see with Franklin, he always wants to <laughs> he always <laughs> wants to go big or go home. So he's trying <laughs> to do something that's really creative and innovative and, and seeing connections across uh, across levels and scales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he certainly had a lot of praise for you as uh, as his faculty mentor and, and uh, dissertation leader, are you? And um, so you work with a lot of students. You see a lot of good students, a lot of sharp students. Same thing with Shelley. Uh, what is it really that makes Franklin so deserving of this award? So many things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the thing that uh, st stands out for me for this award and kind of looking at Franklin and the folks in the room who are here to support him is he doesn't just think about himself. So he thinks about himself as a global citizen, as a citizen of Iowa, of Kenya, of the world, and wants to support others in mm. their academic pursuits and their academic endeavors. So yeah. we have students in our program that are only here because of Franklin. <laughs> he reaches back out to students from his university that he attended in Kenya. He creates an environment in which other international students can thrive. And we, in the School of Journalism, are so lucky to have Franklin here because also that big and that small, he helps us in the school because he goes all the way up to the university level and he goes all the way up to the level of going to Kenya and, and being a, an ambassador. So mm -hmm. to me, that's what stands out about Franklin for this award and he does it while pursuing a creative research agenda yeah. while being an excellent teacher, as Russ pointed out, while, yeah. while kind of doing it, doing it all. And so mm -hmm. I think he really embodies that that vision and that mission. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you. Well, uh, Shelley, from the graduate college point of view, you also work with lots and lots of gifted students, but you chose Franklin to nominate. Yeah, well, I've known him a fairly long time because he he came as a recruitment fellow, so I've known him since the very beginning, and one of one of those students I remember right before lockdown of the university. And um, what one of the things that has stood out for me about him is that 
There are lots and lots of people all over campus that know him. Um, <laughs> his networks are vast. Um, he's extremely well respected among his peers and university leadership. He volunteers, he gives, he's so altruistic and kind. Um, and uh, he's just driven by a desire to give back and to help others um, get to where he is. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a rare trait. I mean, I agree with Melissa, he's doing excellent research, but there's this other side of him that is helping to change campus at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we know that you have been part of the International Student Advisory Board for some time, and you were their communications director, I know. Um, and this is clearly very important to you as well. Can you tell me something about how you felt about Iowa arriving here at this university um, as a student from Kenya? Um, it's a very different place. Uh, what was that like for you, getting immersed in our environment? I think, um, so it wasn't, much different because I did my master's in Ohio, so I was ah, still around Midwest. Ah, so ah. <laughs> it wasn't a big of a difference. If it's surviving in the winter, if it's all the same. And like, <laughs> if it's, for especially for those of us who come from the tropical regions, yeah, I come from a region where I've, I've never, I'd never experienced what people experience here during summer and winter. Yeah. So like, it's something, something different, but I'd already experienced it in Ohio. But one thing that really stands out for me in Iowa is just the support that the university gives to students. I don't know if this applies to everyone, but I just feel like I've received a lot of support here. Mm -hmm. And just the faculty, like everyone, the staff, everyone on campus, they've just been really supportive. And I just enjoy working with everyone. Every time there's anything like maybe there's something going on and someone asks me for help, like, you just feel the passion in which people do whatever they are working with. And so I just also feel motivated. I'm like, yeah, I also want to work in that. I want to be a part of that success and just keep growing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we've heard a couple of times that you have brought some friends, colleagues, fellow students here from uh, Africa. And I met one of your friends earlier from Kenya. And um, was, it a, was it a hard pull to get him to come here? Um, I know that it's hard because when people are applying, they have to be selected. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. I try my level best to encourage as many people as possible and just avail myself if they have any question, if there's anything they would like to consult me, maybe in the application mm -hmm. process. If it's anything to do with maybe they need me to connect me with one of the professors, I'm always willing to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, I've also, a few times maybe, organized for the um, faculty in our department meeting with students in Kenya and just uh, getting to know them and also just having students in Kenya get motivated so they mm -hmm. can also apply because if you don't know that there is an opportunity, you can apply and go and study somewhere. Sometimes just nice if you hear it from the host mouth maybe. Yeah. So I try uh, my best to make sure that I connect people within my department and some students or most of the students back home. Mm -hmm. Those who try and apply, I'm like, yeah, you gave it your best shot. If you mm -hmm. get admitted, well, congratulations. Mm -hmm. If you didn't, maybe try next year again. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, I asked Ryan a little bit about what she thinks she might want to do at some point when she's finished with all of her uh, work in school. What about you? What do you hope to do? I would like to emulate my advisor and mm, hopefully surpass her. <laughs> 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 I would like to not be a complete uh, duplicate, but hopefully surpass her and 
she publishes a lot. So <laughs> hopefully I also get to publish a lot. Be a good teacher. I have taught with her, worked as a TA for her, and she was wonderful. So I just mm. want to be hopefully the best professor I can be mm. and just, just offer my service. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, I'm sure you will be. So gosh, thank you so much. Shelly Campo, it's so good to have you here. Melissa Tully, thank you. And congratulations again, Franklin Matanji. Please, a big hand. <laughs> thank you. And we've come to the end of the program, so thank you all for joining us today. And please join us for the next World Canvas, which will be held on December 8th at Merge in downtown Iowa City. Translation is our topic for that program, and I'm sure it'll be an intriguing discussion. You can find information on past and future programs on the International Programs website, which is international.uiowa.edu. So for International Programs at the University of Iowa, I'm Joan Kerr. See you next time. <laughs>